those are very real things in my life. Um, expectations. And yet, there are certain things that God says, that's my control, not yours. But when God says something, we can bank on it that it's true. When God says on it, we can, we can rest assured that it will take place. Um, Philippians 1.6 talks about this. Being confident of the very thing that the work that He starts, He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God finishes what He starts. He finishes what He starts. So sometimes i got to check to see if my expectations are in line with what He's doing, or am I trying to beg and persuade Him to do what I want Him to do? That's the difficult part, because we're fleshly, we're selfish, we're self-centered. But I was thinking about this last week, and I shared just a glimpse of this with the guys around the bonfire. But I began to think about what God had me to preach on, and just taking God at His Word. And the illustration that God gave me is, how many times in our lives have we bought puzzles? I can remember as a, as a new parent, um, walking through the toy stores when, you know, as you're, before you have kids, you don't really care a whole lot about toy stores. But all of a sudden you have a baby, and all of a sudden, this is a really neat store. Because it's your chance to have all the fun stuff that you wish you would have had through your kids. And I remember walking through the store and seeing this puzzle, and then we found this place, and they can make a puzzle, because this guy has a jigsaw, and he can cut out a name and put these things together. So we'd buy these things. But I would imagine that as we look at the picture on the cover of the puzzle box, we never give it a second chance as we pull that box off the shelf at Walmart, or whatever store that we happen to buy that puzzle from, we never give it a second thought that all the pieces are in the box. I mean, for the most part, uh, we can 98% of the time pull that, pull that box down, slit the box uh, on the back side, take the cover off, and know that all the pieces of the puzzle are going to be in that box. I know there's that one rare time that you got one and you missed the piece. But 99% of the time they're there and we don't give it a second thought because we know that it's there. We naturally assume that all the pieces are there. Yet, when we compare this to God's Word, when God speaks to His children, many of us as His children doubt His Word. That what He really says is so. And on this, you know, in this grand scheme of things, we know what God says, but what He's actually going to do, we've, we've talked about this before, right? There's this big canyon in between. We know what He's capable of, but do we really believe that He's going to? Why is this? Well, for many of us, we have bought many, many puzzles. For many of us, we put many, many puzzles together. And amazingly enough, the puzzles have turned out just like the picture on the cover of the box. It turned out just as it planned. However, when it relates to God's Word, we have not put the relationship with God to the same practices of our, in our daily following of Him. We see all the pieces of what God is doing, but we fail to take the time to put them all together. When God speaks to His children, we're not as convinced of the outcome as we are as convinced of the outcome of the picture and the puzzle. See, because this has got these few little pieces right here. 
And we have the cover, and we put it up right there, and we prop it up in the corner of the table, and we start matching the color schemes over here, and the darker ones here, and the lighter ones here, and the corner pieces here, and the straight edge pieces over there. And we see in our mind's eye that this has an end. We know that as we sit there and we lay it all out, it's going to work, and we don't doubt it. But when it comes to trusting God, for some reason, we think that God has shorted us a piece or two. God, why can't I see what's happening? Why can't you show me the whole picture? Why didn't you give me all the pieces that I needed right now to make this thing work? I think we need to remind ourselves of the fundamentals. Was it Red Arbach who used to say, this is a ball, it is round, and if you drop it, it will come back up to you. The fundamentals. We need to get back to basics at times. And when I think of the basics, I think of verses like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I love how it reads in the Holman Christian. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. How often are we guilty of relying on what we think we know? How often are we guilty of thinking we know what the best outcome is, so therefore we're going to work it to come to this end? Because we know what's best. He says, do not rely on your own understanding. Think about Him in all your ways, and He will guide you in all your ways. If we were really truly to stop and think about Him in everything that we say and do, if we would consider the outcome of every choice that we make, if we would consider the outcome of every, every uh, 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 motive that we have in doing what we do, if we would just take the time to stop and say, God, what is your will in this? What is your plan in this scheme of things? Even though I can't see the box, even though I can't see the front cover, God, what is it that you're trying to do? And trust Him that He's given us all the pieces of the puzzle He wants us to live, live out in our lives. Psalm 37, 5, and really Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you see that big banner above that, it's just called trust. It's trust. And when we come into Psalm 37, 5, it really has another new banner, and it's called commitment. He says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. Are we willing to be committed? I, I see a commitment to so many things in our life. But are we committed to God? It's amazing as we think about the Jehovah's Witness and, and, and the other religious groups that are out there, out and about, and I mean, just getting 110% behind their cause. And yet we give God leftovers. We're guilty of giving God leftovers. Are we committed? You know, I was thinking about this this week. In so many aspects of life, we do what's convenient. We do what's convenient. I would challenge you to do what's not convenient. Do what's not convenient. I was thinking about this, just the aspect of our church. And my mind is like, my wife will tell you, you know, I sit up at night and I'll be sitting there and my mind just goes, it doesn't shut off sometimes. Three in the morning, I'm sitting there, I'll wake up and I'll pop up, get on the internet and I'll start thinking about this or, or get a book or get a tablet, tablet of paper and I'll start writing. It's like the brain that never stops. I'm not really sure it accomplishes anything, but it doesn't stop. You know, there's a, that marble's rolling around like a can of, you know, spray paint. You're just shaking it, you know. It, it just, it just stinks. But I was thinking about this the other day. We live in a culture where people, generally speaking, don't want Christ. And it's amazing to me that everyone else in the, in the known world sees it but ourselves. 
I was talking to a man yesterday or uh, the other day, I think it was Wednesday. The world's largest church, I believe it's in China, runs 50-some thousand people every Sunday morning. They are currently have 15,000 missionaries fully supported to America. They have sent 15,000 missionaries to America to see America come to Christ. That blew my mind when this person told me that. And we have America at our feet. We have every resource we could want. And we want more. And we're sidetracked and out of focus and distracted. I wonder how committed we are to the cause. But what I was thinking about the other night, we have a soccer field. All summer long, two to three nights a week, we had them coming to us. We didn't even have to go get them. They came to us. And I was wondering, I wonder what it would be like if next year we would adopt the Pittsburgh Hawks as our mission field. Just, just a thought. I wonder if somehow, and somebody challenged me last night, he says, hey, why don't you have a Pittsburgh Hawks Sunday? And invite the, the coach and the, and, and the administration and the organization to come here for a week and say, look, we're committed to helping you this year. And this year we're going to have water out there every game. And this year we're going to out there and we're going to encourage you. We're going to cheer you on. And we're going to do whatever we can to help you win your games. Why? So that we can build relationships with them. They're coming to us. I wonder if we as a church could get behind them and say, Hey, I wonder what we could do to build relationships with them. Commitment. He says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. I wonder if we would take a step in our commitment, if we would see God do something. That's why I say we have to do what's not convenient. Because who has time to come out and watch a soccer game that your kids or grandkids or relatives or neighbors or friends are not in? What reason do we have? Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, the, the ball is rolling. They're thinking, why are we doing this? Because we have a field that we're not doing anything with. Maybe God would. We have open doors, folks. Are we willing to get committed with it? He says if we would commit our way, He'll act. Are we willing to be committed? Hebrews 11.1, Now faith is a reality of things hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. And verse 6, Now without faith it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to Him must believe that He exists and rewards those who seek Him. Proverbs 3.5 talks about trust. Proverbs 37.5 talks about commitment. Hebrews 11.1 talks about faith. And these are three puzzle pieces that are often missing in our lives. It's not because their God has not given them to us. We've kind of slid that one aside. Because as we're putting together the pieces, or this, as we're putting together this puzzle, we kind of set that piece aside because we don't know where it goes just yet. We're not sure where this piece goes, so we're going to slide it aside. I mean, it's not a straight edge, so we know it's not there. I mean, there's another 800 pieces in the middle it could go, but I'm not sure where it goes, so we just kind of put it aside. God is saying, put this puzzle together. Here's the picture. The picture is obedience to God. That's the picture. And it looks differently for everybody. But He's given us the puzzle pieces to walk in obedience. And as I was talking with the guys around the fire the other night, 
This started to make sense to me. So if you would this morning, take your Bibles and turn to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. I want to read verse 1, and then I want to read verses 17 through 20. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, Send men to scout out the land of Canaan I am giving to the Israelites. It's a pretty simple command. I want to give you three observations from the story, but first of all, you see the simple command. And you'll see, first of all, that they started to put the puzzle together. Moses gave them the instructions. So go scout the land. Look at verse 17. When Moses sent them to scout out the land of Canaan, he told them, Go up this way to the Negev, and go up into the hill country, and see what the land is like, and whether the people who who live there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land they live in good or bad? Are the cities they live in encampments or or fortifications? Is the land fertile or unproductive? Are there trees or in it or not? Be courageous. Bring back some fruit from the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. I mean, the simple instructions. Here they are. They're beginning to put the puzzle together. And they're beginning to, to look at this and look at that. And he says, look at Scout out the land. See everything that there is to see about it. Go up this way. Then go up that way. He says, I don't want you to leave any stone unturned. I want you to see it all. I want you to see what the land is like. Are there giants in the land? Are they strong? Are they big? Are they small? I want you to look at the people. I want you to see whether the land is fertile and productive or whether it's no good. I want you to see whether or not the cities are are built up and fortified uh, or whether there's just uh, nothing there at all. And while you're at it, bring back some fruit. It's time of the harvest. I mean, they were setting up the puzzle. I mean, as they're going out, they were spreading out the pieces and, and, and popping up the box to see the picture. I mean, he, said, he goes, I want you to know what the end product looks like. I want you to see everything. So they started, out, started to put the puzzle together as Moses gave them the instructions. Number two, they worked feverishly to put all the pieces in the right place. We see this, verse 21. So they went up and scouted out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rahab near the entrance of Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Ahiman and Shishai and Telmai, the descendants of Anak, were living in Hebron, were built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes which was carried on a pole by two men. Can you imagine... I mean, think about that. Can you imagine having a a long, uh, some type of a rod that was cut down from a tree, and in the center of it, it being bowed with a cluster of grapes? I mean, think about it in your mind's eye, how rich this valley was. The Valley of Eshkol. They took also some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from scouting out the land. The men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community. And they showed them the fruit of the land. 
They reported to Moses, We went into the land where, thou, where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruits. Stop right there. I mean, they were, they were working feverishly to put this puzzle together. I mean, they got a glimpse of what it was looked like. As Moses gave them the instructions, they looked over here and they looked over there, and they looked everywhere to see what this thing was supposed to look like. But you see, something is very true about this picture. Somehow they had an assumption that all the pieces of this puzzle were not there. Some pieces have been misplaced. Some pieces are missing. Look at verses 28 and 29. There's a key word here. Verse 28. However. Stop right there. Done before it started. I mean, they gathered the pieces. They started to put them together. But in their mind, this is a puzzle that would never be completed. I mean, they looked at the land. It's fertile. They looked at the fruit of the land. It was awesome. They brought it back. For 40 days, they looked at everything that there was to look at. For 40 days, I'm sure their mind is a land that flowed with milk and honey. And everything about it was incredible. However. <laughs> What's the however in your life? <coughs> you ever had that thought? God, I know you're doing this, but... And our expectations get in the mix. God, I know you said, but I don't have faith to believe. God, I know you opened this door, but I'm not sure where it's going to lead, so I'm just going to kind of hold back. How many times have we put a however or a but or a maybe, or we'll see in place of what God said was so. And we've missed out on the opportunities and the blessings that God had prepared for us. Too often. Caleb looked around as if to say, here's the pieces you're looking for. Look in chapter 13, verse 30. Just look at that verse real quick. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, we must go up and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. I know it would be awesome just to have a couple Caleb's around our church. We can do this, guys. Come on, we can do this. We can do this. But look at verse 28 again. However, the people living in the land are strong. And the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, and all the otherites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea along the Jordan. I mean, the, the talk. I mean, yes, it is in a phenomenally awesome land. But, there's giants. There's big walls around the city. And they're everywhere. They're the descendants of Anak. They're giants. And everybody's... They were forgetting the most obvious piece of the puzzle. We'll get to that in just a moment. And Caleb is doing his dead level best to say, guys, hold on. Yes, there are fortified walls. Yes, 
there are giants. Duh. But we can conquer it. It's kind of like when Peter says, Lord, if it's you, let me walk on the water. Come on. Now the wave. He was okay as long as he kept his eye on Jesus. They took their eyes off God. And when we take our eyes off God, there's going to be problems. When Peter took his eyes off Jesus, he put it on the wave. The wave was huge. The wave was right there. The wave knocked him over. The wave was just insurmountable. Why? Because his eyes weren't on Jesus. Same with the story of Caleb and Joshua. They saw the giants. They saw the walls. Even though they saw all the good, their focus was where? On everything but God. That's when the problems come. So number one, they started to put the puzzles together as Moses gave instructions. Number two, they worked feverishly to put those pieces in the right places. But then number three, they came to the conclusion that the puzzle in the box was not true to the picture on the cover. Lord, we see the picture of what it's like, but these aren't the pieces that will put this puzzle together. Because these pieces don't match this picture. You ever felt like that in life? These pieces that I have somehow cannot make this picture. There's just no way. I can't tell you how many times throughout my life I've... We have a family friend that uh, was very dear to us for many years as we lived in Tippecanoe, Grandma Donna. Every winter, Grandma Donna would break out the big card table. And every winter, she would pick her winter puzzle. Grandma Donna would sit there, and I remember thinking many times, I see the picture. This doesn't look anything like that. I'm just saying. (laughs) I see vivid color there. I don't see vivid color here. (laughs) I see dark. I don't see dark. (laughs) No. But it would be amazing that Grandma Donna would just sit there and work at it. Half hour here, 20 minutes there. And after about six or eight weeks, she'd have that big card table filled with one big picture. You see, these folks were convinced that the picture that God was giving them of this beautiful land that flowed with milk and honey, that had the grapes and clusters that would bow the rod, was not the pieces that they were dealing with. They were convinced of that. Look at verse 31. Chapter 13, verse 31 through chapter 14. Chapter 13, verse 31 says this. But the men who had gone up with him responded, We can't go up against the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we pass through to explore is is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anna came from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. Then the whole community broke into loud cries, and the people wept that night. 
Think about that. They sat there as the negativity came out. We can't do it. They're too big. We're just grasshoppers in their sight. This will never work. And the people chose to believe the report of the ten rather than the two. And as they did that, they cried and they wept. And look at verse 2. All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron, and the whole community told them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Oh, you're going to play that card again. For real. Remember back in Exodus 3? God called Moses. He says, I've heard your cries by reason of your taskmasters. I've seen the affliction they've put on you. I know the hard work that they make you labor in. For real? You really think it would have been better to die back in Egypt? For real? You know, keep playing this card for years and years. But you notice what happens in the life of believers, in the life of churches, when they don't take God at His word, and they begin to believe the evil reports, what's the next thing to follow? Griping and complaining and murmuring. See it throughout Scripture, see it throughout history. It's either your focus is on God and you're going to trust Him to do what He says He's going to do, or my focus is on man and all the problems, and I'm going to gripe and complain and murmur and make sure everybody knows I'm not happy about it. If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Our wives and little children will become plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? So they said to one another, let's appoint a leader and go back to Egypt. They were willing to give up God's best because they had no faith and trust in Him. I wonder how often in our own lives, draw the parallel, do we give up what God has as His best for us because we don't have the faith to follow through and trust Him at what He says will take place. question that comes to mind is this. Did God give them all the pieces to the puzzle? Absolutely He did. As if God is just saying, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I want you to put this together. Hey guys, I want them to put this puzzle together, but <laughs> I withheld a few pieces. Watch this out. This is going to drive them nuts. Let's go. See how this is going to play out. <laughs> He's trying so hard and it ain't there. <laughs> God is not a, up there in heaven just saying, do your own thing. No. God has a plan. He's given us the pieces. He's absolutely given us the pieces. And the pieces stem from obedience and faith and trust and commitment to Him. Caleb tried to remind them to look at the bigger picture. Caleb did his dead level best to quiet the people and say, wait a minute, God knows what He's doing. But they wouldn't listen. Moses and Aaron try to remind them to look at the picture. In chapter 14, verse 5, he says, Then Moses and Aaron fell down with their faces to the ground in front of the whole assembly of the Israelite community. So here you have Caleb in chapter 13, verse 30, trying to quiet the people. Then Moses and Aaron trying to quiet the people. And then you have uh, um, Joshua trying to remind the people to look at the picture in verses 6-9 through of chapter 14. Verse 6 says, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephna." 
who were among those who scouted out the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite community, the land we passed through and explored is an extremely good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will bring us, bring us into this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land, for we will devour them. And their protection has been removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Over and over, they're trying to convince the Israelites, this is already a done deal. This is given to us. But the people made up their minds that this particular puzzle has too many pieces. And besides, we think some of the pieces are missing. I wonder how many times we're just like the children of Israel. God says He's going to do a certain thing, but we just don't see it. We can't find that peace. And there's this open spot right there. I mean, we have all the walls right there, but there's that peace, and I, I don't know where it's at. God would never tell them to do something and not give them the ability to do it. I've seen throughout Scripture that when God calls somebody to, a form of a, to some form of service, he equips them for the service that He calls them to. You have to believe that. You have to believe that God knows exactly what He's doing. He makes no mistakes. But the people made up their minds. I know it's a great land. I know that it's a beautiful land. However, the giants, the walls... The problem was this. Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb were all looking at one picture while the children of Israel were looking at a different picture. What picture are we looking at? For Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb, the pieces were all there to draw from. To the children of Israel, the most crucial pieces of the puzzle called trust, commitment, and faith were missing. I wonder, have we forgotten the obvious? Look back just for a moment in Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, Send men to scout out the land of Canaan. What's the next words? I am giving them. You see, the outcome was already determined. I mean, there really was nothing for them to do other than to go in and take it. The outcome was already 110% predetermined. It was theirs to take. It was theirs to walk in and possess. However, over and over, I wonder how often we do the same thing. I look at our church. I said, my mind never stops. And you start shaking it up and say, could we do this or should we do that or can we go here or can we do that? What is God doing? I know that one part of the picture that He wants us to fulfill, it's the same for all of us, is obedience. That's in the picture. Right? That's in the picture. And to Him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to Him it is... Sin. So often we get, once again, our focus off 
just a little bit by thinking, well, I'm not involved in, well, you know, I don't, I don't look at pornography and I don't steal and I don't cheat and I don't lie, so I'm pretty good. We're not guilty of the sins of commission, but I wonder how guilty we are of the sins of omission. What are the things in our life that are supposed to be there that aren't? Like being involved in His work. Or do we leave that for those who are paid to do it? Or those who have been elected by the church to do it? I wonder what God wants to do in our church. I wonder what God wants to do in the midst of everything that has taken place here. The picture's there. It's framed. It's God's church. But there's obedience, and there's faithfulness, and there's commitment, and there's sacrifice. And they're all part of this picture that we know, and God has given us the puzzle pieces to, to fulfill that picture. If we want to stay focused on Him. If we want to take Him at His word. If we want to follow through. So easy to get discouraged. Trust me, I know. And so do you. So easy to say, man, look at that church. Why do they seem to have everything? Why do they have all their bills paid and have $700,000 in the bank? And no projects. Let me help you with that funds. I can give you some ideas there. I mean, I tell you, I've heard five churches that like that in the last year. Don's grandmother's church. Their pastor just resigned. He retired. He's almost 70. He just retired. A lady in the church has passed away and she left $5 million to the church. I think God's leading me to put a resume in. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But you, you, know, you look at this and you say, their buildings are paid for. They're, everything's in good shape. There's no renovations to do. And they sit on it and do nothing with it. When there's a world that's dying and going to hell. How many churches have I heard of in the last several years that have $100,000, $200,000, $500,000 sitting in the bank and no projects and no mission work and nothing going on, just stockpiling? I don't know, I'm wired different. I want to know what God wants to do with our lives, with our church, to reach our community for the, for the glory of God. Hopefully more now than ever before, because folks, we can't live in the past. We can't live in the past of what the way things used to be. We've got to keep moving forward for the glory of God. Amen? So the question is, if God's given us all the pieces to fulfill His picture, the pieces of faith and trust and commitment, the pieces of sacrifice and obedience, what are we doing to actively put that picture together? He's given us the pieces. And if we keep our eyes and focus on the picture, we can accomplish it. But when we take our eyes off, and like the children of Israel say, however, I see the picture, but however, nothing's going to get done. Nothing will be accomplished. Say, Pastor, you harp on this a lot. It's because we need to step it up. All of us. I appreciate Penny and Nick putting together the harvest party, but they can't do it alone. All of us need to get involved. I appreciate, you know, 
several of you who worked with cleaning the church, but people need to get involved. I appreciate everybody who does something, but we all need to do something. All of us can be used of God if we're willing. We need to see the big picture. We need to be willing to walk in obedience. Put our money where our mouth is. Because actions speak louder than words. What are we willing to do to see God's picture fulfilled? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word and for the example that we see in Scripture. Lord, we look at this at times and we know it's a huge picture. Lots of pieces. But God, we have to believe that you gave us the pieces to complete the picture. We believe that, Lord. Lord, I pray that you use every one of us in this room this morning to complete the task at hand. Lord, I don't want to see the church go in decline. It's a testimony of you, Lord. We don't want to see your picture disgraced. We don't want to see your picture belittled. We don't want to see your picture faded. We want to see it glorified and magnified. And Lord, that can only be accomplished if all of us are working in this together. So God, would you work in our hearts this morning, Lord, to challenge us, but not only challenge us, change us. Lord God, would you challenge us in a way that only you can. Change us in only a way that only you can. Lord, there are those in the church that are tired. They've been faithful for many years. God, would you renew their strength? There are those who have yet to engage. God, I pray that you'd help them to engage today. We've been challenging, Lord, to reach out. Might we do that, make that minds up today that we're going to do that. All of us can be used if we're willing. Not all in the same capacity, not all in the same area, but God, all of us can be used if we're willing. God, would you work in our hearts? 